Okay, we are in Romans chapter 2. We were in verse 2 just beginning, so we'll repeat part of that. We see in verse 2, and we know that the judgment of God rightly falls upon those who practice such things. He's talking about evil, gross sins. Okay, so as we get there, it were Jews, he was mainly talking to at this time, comparing their beliefs and revealing how false they were. The Jews and professing Christians know that the judgment of God comes upon those who practice evil, but they thought they were somehow excluded, that God's wrath and anger is on them now, on the wicked. And he wants them to understand that if you do the same things, we'll see in the next verse what's going to happen to you. But we need to go back to Ephesians chapter 5, verse 6 and 7. We ought to read it often in the dark times we live in. Let no one deceive you with empty words. It means lying words, vain, that have no truth. For because of these things, the wicked things they do, the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedient. Therefore, do not be partakers with them. He's talking in the present tense. You think you are excused. See, the Jews thought they were in covenant and they were special, and yet they were doing the same sins that they were judging the Gentiles for doing. And Paul wanted to know you'll get the same consequences. Well, actually, they'll get more because they were given more grace and more knowledge of the law and the prophets. So he wants to plain that if you live like them, it don't matter what you believe in your head. It's not going to avail you anything. So whether a Jew or a professing Christian, God's wrath is going to come on you if you live the way the Gentiles live, if you live in their gross sins. He wants you to know God's nature. He's no respecter of persons. And this doesn't mean just when you die. See, a lot of people think everything's going to wait for the judgment day. It's not. It's now that the judgment of God and wrath comes on people. How does it do it? Well, you see God's wisdom here. They who reject the spirit of truth and God's reproof, he gives them over the lion spirits. And therefore, we have all of these false teachings on once saved, always saved, and you have a license to sin, and you'll just lose some rewards. These are lies, and they're false, and they're going to send people to hell. And they still promote all of this. So he wants you to know it's not true. So if you want to make it to heaven, you serve the Lord Jesus Christ and you obey him. We'll see in the verses that come up soon. Okay. Well, that is why most people in what's called Christendom, two billion people, half of them Roman Catholics, the other half nominal Protestants, they're in false Christianity and they're headed for hell. They think they're Christians. And as we've said many times, they, they live and practice gross sins and they don't follow the Lord. He's going to let them know they never knew Christ because in that context, he said, I never knew you. But the five foolish virgins knew him. And when they knocked at the door and he'd already shut the door of grace, he said, I don't know you. See, they fell away. 
So these people, many of them, like I say, most of them were not true Christians. And the few that came to the Lord, they went back to their vomit, their evilness as a dog does. That's what Peter says. So we have to understand that people love to be deceived if they don't follow the truth. Many years ago, when I did a lot of phone counseling, many times I would talk to sinners and backsliders, and they would try to convince me that they were still Christians. I thought, isn't it amazing how they can quote all these scriptures while they live in sin? And I would tell them, why are you trying to convince me? What's wrong with your conscience? Why are you calling? What's bothering you? I'm not going to tell you God loves you anyway and uh, while you're living in gross sin. The scripture says he despised the evildoer. We will see. It says, actually in Psalms, it says he hates the soul of the murderer and the destroyer. That is not in conflict with his goodwill and love for the world. He gives them time to repent. But he despises what they're doing, and the more wicked they become, the more he despises their person. They still can be saved. That's the love of God, but it's not the covenant love of God. And that's why many people, they think, oh, God loves me, so I'll get away with it. They're going to be very surprised, or not too surprised, when they end up in the lake of fire forever, okay? That God is not a Santa Claus, and he's not this sentimentalist that they think he is. And so, because their conscience, these people I was counseling, was trying to tell them the truth. You're in sin. You've lost your walk with God. I mean, these people living in adultery and fornication for months at a time, and they're not Christians no more. Anybody tells you to is a false teacher. He's going to go into the same hell for misrepresenting God. It's one thing to fall into sin. It's another thing to stay there. Like someone said, you can't help it if a bird lands on your head, but you can if you allow him to build a nest there, then you're in trouble, okay? But see, these people want to be lied to, and most people in Christendom, so-called, the shepherds are false, and they're lying to them, making them feel good in their sins. And what was Jesus' attitude toward them? He said, let the blind lead the blind. They'll both fall in the pit. He said, leave them alone. Well, that's sort of contrary to the people saying, oh, the hound of heaven, he just comes with us and pesters us for 30 years. That's not in Scripture. See, these are lies of false shepherds, misunderstanding of who God is. And there is no fear of the Lord before them. See, they, oh, perfect love cast out. It doesn't apply to people living in sin. If they have peace, they've got a false peace and they're being deceived. And that's the consequences of what sin does to people. It poisons them. Backsliders that really knew the Lord. Later on, their twisted thinking. That was the sin of Lucifer. Said his wisdom was corrupted. The sin began to corrupt the wisdom that God gave him. So that's what sin does. It deceives, it distorts. And people think they can just get away with it. Well, you keep at it, and it will eventually get a hold of you, and you'll believe a lie. Now, Titus, as we've gone there many times, Titus says something interesting. You don't hear many people reading this that want to be saved and comfortable all the time. Titus 1.16 
They profess to know God. They claim to be Christians, born again, spirit-filled. But in works, he's talking about spiritual works, they deny him. Being abominable, it means detestable by God. Isn't that interesting when that word is used? Disobedient and disqualified for all good works, spiritual work. Disqualified from Christianity, if they ever were in Christianity. They're not going to lose no rewards. They're going to lose their soul. See, because they give lip service to God and they don't follow the Lord. So we'll see again, you don't call him Lord if you don't plan on obeying him. It's an insult to God. But they still call him Lord. And most of them have said, and many times, Christ at the great judgment of most of them, he'll say, you are lawless, you are wicked, you're cursed of my father into everlasting punishment. But they go say, but Lord, Lord, see, they believe he's Lord. They believe he died on the cross. They believe he raised again. They just didn't follow him. See, there was a mental ascent belief that'll send them to hell. The demons have that set. They know who Jesus is. They knew before the disciples clearly understood who he was. We know who you are. You're the Holy One of Israel. That was God. We know who you are. You're the Holy One of God. You're the Son of God. And they understood the Son of God was the incarnation. It was God taking on humanity. They said, have you come to judge us before the appointed time? The Son of God, the Son of Man, all judgments committed to him, even to the demons. And so, again, they understood, but that mental belief does not save them. They cannot be. They're past repentance. So he promises swift destruction, and Peter, it says, to those practicing and professing Christians who are living in gross sin or teaching false doctrines. Swift destruction is not God waiting many years for you to die. See, they think that's what it means. No, he sends lying spirits and false shepherds to deceive you. See, the person that rejects the spirit of truth the wrath of God abides on them now. So we see that people don't understand that. See, a person that will not be corrected and reproved, God will send them lying spirits. Oh, God wouldn't do that. He most certainly does. And even what they have, the scripture says, when they were once saved, he said, will be taken from them. Even the truth they had will be distorted. See, that's the danger of fighting the spirit of truth. Spiritual things have no vacuum. You're either serving somebody, it's either God or the devil in the long run, okay? And so many are blinded and damned because they have despised God's word. They've despised God. They've made him into something the scripture doesn't make him. There is no fear of the Lord before them. There would be if they rightly understood that the masses the majority of mankind's going to the lake of fire. You would think it'd be mentioned a few times, wouldn't you? But not by the false shepherds. Oh, we only want to hear a positive word. We all want to be encouraged. God does not encourage people in sin and deception. He'll let the devil give them a false peace. And the scripture says when they die and they stand before God, they'll be speechless. See, their conscience will be clarified. There'll be no devil to deceive them, no flesh to deceive them. They will see the truth, 
And what can they say? They know there's nothing to say. The wrath of God will come upon them forever. Okay, people need to understand that. Okay, verse three. But do you suppose, so see, he's telling you, oh man, whether you're a Jew or a professing Christian, what does he say? When you pass judgment on those, you think you're better than them, or you think like the Pharisee, you're religious, and they, the common people are ignorant, don't know nothing. You find fault with everything they do, and yet you're living in sin yourself. That's what he's saying. And what does he say? But you practice them the same yourself. Do you think that you will escape the judgment of God? It's a rhetorical. You shall not. You're deceiving yourself. And like I said, you're going to get a worse judgment because you were given more privileges. Okay? Do you think and assume that you who pass sentence on the others, he's talking about that gross sin, the sin of the Gentiles, that you, and he was talking mainly here to the Jews, some Jewish Christians and professing Christians, yet do the same thing they do. Do you think you're going to escape God's judgment? It's rhetorical. You are not. Of course you will not, because God's no respecter of persons. His blood does not cover continued willful sin, since there remains no more sacrifice. If you're living in gross sin, you've rejected the Lord. You've denied him by your works. See, there's the same as denying him with your lips. But see, you don't hear that from the false shepherds. They could be astounded at the day of judgment when they see what they are going to be accountable for. That's why James even told the real Christian, not many of you should be teachers. Why? Because he just said to the ignorant Christians and the ones that didn't know the truth. He said, faith without works is dead, you fools. He called them fools. And he said three times in that context, don't you know faith without works is dead? Well, see, they were going around teaching that. And he said, not many of you should be teachers. Why? Because you're going to be held accountable if you teach false doctrine to people. And even if you're a babe or a novice and you're teaching other things that are not true, as long as you are walking in holiness and trying to stay right with God, the scripture says if when you make it to heaven by the skin of your teeth, it's about fire, you'll be considered the least in heaven. God does not like it, even from babes and novices and ignorant young Christians. But you cannot be teaching false doctrine and damn will teach it and make it to heaven. You're a servant of the devil, okay? So he's telling them, no, you cannot escape any judgment that God's going to do on those who are wicked. So the judgment is on, like he said, he names the sins, and if the body of Christ proceeds to live in those sins, they get the same consequences that the world gets. The blood of Christ does not cover them. It does not give them grace or license to sin. It does not save them one time and then they have a license. These are all doctrines of demons. Okay? And so we're going to talk about a little bit about how and what is the judgments we do. There's spiritual judgment that we're talking about that must be done by mature Christians. Those without spot or wrinkle. You're not in the same position. 
novices and babes and people are playing with carnality, which won't last long, they have no business judging anybody. They need to go look in the mirror, okay? But a mature Christian should be able to examine himself and give instructions to those who are fallen. Oh, judge not, judge not. That's the main symbol and status of the false Christian. See, they're trying to say, oh, we don't judge. Yes, we do. We're going to find out if you're in the body of Christ, you're supposed to be judged and chastised if you get into gross sin. Why, the scripture said, even if an elder sins, rebuking before everybody. It didn't say go hide it in a corner. Now, a novice or a babe will do something. You might can call him aside privately and say, hey, this, is, this has got to stop or you're not going to be welcome here no more. No, they don't do that today, do they? <laughs> and that's why the churches are run by the devil. Okay? So we see then, it's the passing of true judgment is for spiritual elders and leaders in the church. While Paul was so upset that they hadn't judged the sinner in Corinthians that was having an affair with his stepmother, he said, what is wrong with you? Don't you know you're going to judge angels? Believes the fallen angels may be judged by those in Christ during the millennium period and so forth. And so he said, don't you have anyone that's mature enough to judge in these matters? So if you look at 1 Corinthians, talking about judgment, judge not. It always comes out of the mouth of a heretic or a false Christian because they don't understand Scripture. When I keep hearing that, I say, well, that person's proved they're not spiritual. They're probably not even saved because they don't know what it means. Okay? It's supposed to be in the Lord for 30 and 40 years. They don't even know the basics. They're backsliders. They never got the true gospel. They ain't no baby Christians after 30 and 40 years. God doesn't have retarded spiritual children. God has no spiritual grandchildren. You either had it and you forfeited it, or you never had the truth. They don't like that. It disturbs them a little bit, doesn't it? 1 Corinthians 5, 12, and 13. For what have I to do with judging those who are outside? The non-Christian he's talking about. Do not judge those inside. You're supposed to judge those within the body of Christ. And he's talking to the spiritual leaders and mature Christians are supposed to be doing this. He said, that's your job, to keep the church holy and walking in the Lord. And those who will not repent and comply, you throw them out. You excommunicate them. You don't beat them. You don't torture them like the churches did. You don't make them become a Christian and obedient by beating them and torturing them. The most you can do with a Christian, the scripture was, was to excommunicate. Simply meant broke fellowship with them. They're not allowed in your fellowship because God doesn't like it. You're living like the world. You cannot be in God's congregations. Well, today, like I said, all the, most of the congregation are run by the devil because they don't keep scripture. But like he said, those who are outside, those who are non-Christians, God judges. He'll take care of them when he's ready in this life for the next, but it's none of your business, basically. You'd be concerned yourself with yourself and true Christians. See, that's what he's talking about. Therefore, put away from yourselves that wicked person. 
he was talking about the man who was having a adulterous affair with his stepmother. Or and he said, You haven't even judged it. You know, be ashamed of yourself. He put that wicked person. He doesn't call him a Christian anymore. He calls him a wicked person because he's gone back and lived like the world. And he's not a Christian. See, people want to believe no matter what they do, somehow God's grace is going to keep them. That's a lie. And God refutes it as a lie. See, they don't understand holiness, nor do they have the fear of the Lord. So, like we said, those false Christians and ignorant ones, they often say, judge not, judge not. I used to hear people say that all the time. They're supposed to be a Christian for 30 years, and as soon as they said that, I said, that's most likely not a Christian. They don't know Scripture. They should know this by now. They're not supposed to be babies after 30 years. They don't study their Bible. The Holy Spirit's keeping the truth from them. See, they're still in their sins. Okay, when it says, judge not, Jesus was talking to the Pharisee, and he was talking about rash judgment on personalities, on minor faults, making a mountain out of molehill, and they were living in sin themselves. They were covetous and greedy. And Jesus said the father was the devil, so that ought to tell you something. So the statement, judge not, was not an overall statement. Because Paul has told us, and even Jesus said, if you judge, judge righteously. You don't judge rash and fault-finding. You don't judge by gossip and slandering. But gross sin is to be judged by the true churches, any gross sin. Like I said, even elders, they were to be rebuked publicly, embarrassed. The scripture says, why? Because they shouldn't have that pride, and they fell into sin, they know better. And he said, now you bring them up in front of everybody, and you're improving. And it'll embarrass him and humiliate him, which it's intended to do. And he'll either repent or he'll get out of church. See, they knew how to deal with this stuff back then. That's why churches are dead today. They don't comply with God, what he tells them to do. Okay, and verse 4. Or do you think lightly of the riches of God's kindness and tolerance and patience, not knowing that the kindness of God leads you to repentance? Now, this is the love that God has for the world and the sinner. He hasn't killed them right now. He hasn't judged them and destroyed their souls in hell, which he can do to any wicked person. But the love of God is goodwill, and he gives them time. But he doesn't forget what they're doing. He hates what they're doing. And eventually, if they become gross enough sinners, he despises that person. You find that in the Old and New Testament. Oh, oh he doesn't do it. See, because your concept of God is false. You haven't understood that we're dealing with a holy God. And Jesus himself said, what do you fear man for? Why do you fear what man's opinion is or what even man could do to you? The most he can do is kill you. He said, here's the one you should fear. Fear God who can kill your body and then send you to hell. Well, he wasn't mincing words. Now, he told this, the apostles immediately after, but fear not, it's God's goodwill to give you the kingdom. They were following the Lord. They were obeying him. See, he said, so you don't have to fear but you have a respect that God doesn't tolerate 
sin in anyone. See, that's what they were learning. That's what God intended. So perfect love casts out fear. This only applies to the person who's walking in the Spirit. It doesn't apply to a backslider, a double-minded, lukewarm, and carnal. They should have fear because they're going to hell. See? Yeah, they quote all these scriptures if it's a blanket for everybody. They're lying shepherds. They don't know the Word of God. So let's spend some time here on this verse. This is a blunt statement to the wicked, the backslider, the lukewarm, the double-minded, or whatever word you want to use, the one who's not following the Lord anymore in practice. Not mental belief. Oh, we have gobs of them. Well, God does not hear their prayers. The Bible says the double-minded, that's the person that's in and out the Lord, or up and down, or back and forth. He said, eventually God doesn't hear his prayers. You ask and you'll get nothing from God, James says. The only thing he'll listen to is prayer of repentance and confession. He's not interested in anything else about you. See, that's another lie with God. When it says God is even good to the evil and thankful, it means he lets the rain come and, and give them crops. He lets them live and their body work out the laws of God. He doesn't. He can wait till judgment day for these people. Sometimes he does judge them. That's his prerogative. If they interfere with his work or they persecute his children to a certain extent, he can remove them, and he does. That's his prerogative. But Proverbs says, those who will not listen to the law, the word of God, even their prayers are despised by the Lord. That's what abomination means. The word abomination. The Sodomites and those in Sodom and Gomorrah, they did abominable things. Not just the sexual sins. If you study Ezekiel, it says they didn't help the poor. They loved themselves too much. Named several. He says, and God took them away. He destroyed them. See? Because they were an abomination to him. He got sick of them and their lives, and he cut them off. If people understood that, that claimed to be Christians, would fear the Lord more and they would follow him and would not be living and practicing any kind of sins that can lead them into damnation, okay? They add sin to sin, these people, by giving gifts and prayers to the Lord. It said, it's hated by God, the scripture says. You shall not take the gift of a whore, a prostitute, a temple prostitute, a thief, God doesn't want your money. You, do, you insult him by offering wickedness to him. See, people think they're going to ease their conscience. I do this bad, but I do a little good too. It's just going to be used to build a bigger fire for them because it don't impress God at all, and it makes him more angry when people do that. See, that's human beliefs. I heard a man tell me, oh, I do a lot of bad, but I give a lot and do this. I said, it ain't going to count one iota with God. It's actually going to count against you more. You're trying to ease your conscience. You're trying to earn your way to heaven on your own initiative while you're in sin. That's an uh, insult to God, okay? So God through the Son, it says, is rich in grace, mercy, kindness, and tolerance. That's why they're still alive. That's why every day millions of people aren't struck dead by lightning. And God has the right to do it. Any gross sin, any person in gross sin, God has the right to strike them dead. He don't owe them nothing. They're wicked. 
But he says, I'll wait, and we'll see what happens when people play with this kind of grace. So it's his grace that extends their life. It's his grace that lets them use his gifts and pervert them. It's his grace that does this. But he's not going to be gracious forever. He's going to rise up and shut the door like he did with the foolish virgins. He's going to rise up like he did and shut the door on the ark. Then it didn't matter what they believed. Grace wasn't offered no more. Grace does have a limit, and God sets the limit. Okay? So God through the Son is very patient, even with the wicked, long-suffering. He endures men, even in their evil and unthankfulness but not forever. See, that's the lie. He's not the Santa Claus people make him. He's not the sentimentalist Jesus that people want him to be. It's because they are deceived and they are wicked. They attribute it something to God that is not true. See, that's how what happens to the person that gets into sin. Their spiritual perception is dead. They will call good evil and they will call evil good. Well, that's what the false teachers are doing. How many times have I dealt with a backslidden or false Christian who judges Christians who do good and tries to find fault with them, but excuses others? Oh, they're under grace. Oh, judge not, judge not. God has a deep hell, lake of fire. They're going to be down there further for misrepresenting him. He said he hates them. He hates their lies. He hates their sin. And it becomes a part of them. Where four times or so, God laughs and mocks the wicked person because he says, I see their day coming. Does that sound like he's enjoying their presence? He's waiting for the time. See, so that's why today there's no fear of the Lord. And with no fear of the Lord, there's no true Christian because he's capable and he wants them to understand he tolerates sin, gross sin, and nobody, don't matter who you were and what you did, when you start back into the world, you're cut off from the vine. You're no longer, and Jesus said, and they're burned, the branches. Well, we, we know what that means, okay? So it's the goodwill of God. That's what his love for the wicked person is. For God so loved the world, this is the center of mankind is a goodwill and benevolent. It's not a covenant love. They're not his children. They're his enemies. They're not in relationship with him. He's storing up, and everything they do, he will remember because he's holy and just. But it's putting off his judgment and giving them time to consider and repent. So in general, that's what God wants. But that's not the love the world made. That, oh, God loves me, so they're excused. They can be very surprised when they find out that is not true. Okay? So it's his goodwill that is displayed. And he's waiting for the wicked in the center to repent and confess and come to the Lord. He gives them the time. It's his nature to do this. He's long-suffering. See, he's just and holy, but he says, I can wait. And he lets sinners live decades. But if they're cut off and they die, every sin they ever committed, every word they ever spoke that was evil 
They've got to answer for it. So that's justice. And Paul said, you should pray. He said that we have escaped the wrath of God. See, the Christian will not be judged that way. His sins will be dealt with. Only his ministerial works will be wood, hay, and stubble, what they call bad works. And he'll make it to heaven because he lives holy and he tries to serve the Lord even though he doesn't have much of a ministry. That's what Corinthians means. The people and the false shepherds think it means, oh, I got a license to sin and I'll just lose rewards. Well, what do I care about rewards? I enjoy the sins, the pleasures of sin for a season. You can see it's a demon speaking that. It's not God, okay? He did deserve to be deceived, and that's why God deceives them. So he wants mankind, the sinner, to turn and stop sinning against his holiness and submit themselves to God and Lord to be ruled. There is no irresistible grace. Grace can, and most of the time, is given in vain. One scripture alone proves that. Scripture says many are called. Jesus said this. Paul, many are called, but few are chosen. The gospel of grace is given to many, but very few are chosen because they don't repent. They don't turn to the Lord. He doesn't bring them into the family and work sanctification and cleanse them from their sin and puts Christ's spirit in them. They're the chosen ones because they chose to obey God. So he said many are called. So most people are rejecting and the grace of God has been given to them in vain. It has not worked the purpose that God intended and he does not override them. There is no irresistible grace. See, he leaves it to them. He helps people repent but he doesn't do the repenting. And a backslider, even Paul said when they came back, he said, perhaps God will give them the gift of repentance. You cannot even come back to God as a backslider unless God is willing. In general, he's willing. But some have sinned too far, and God isn't messing with them anymore. That's called blaspheming the Holy Spirit. So the Apostle Paul, writing to some of the Corinthians, said, I'm afraid of you, lest I have labored for you in vain, and perhaps you have been disqualified. He meant from Christianity, not from works. See, that's the false teacher. Oh, you just miss out. You, you just put on the shelf. No, you're put out of the kingdom. You don't have the Christianity no more. See, God has left you. You have been cut off from the vine. He had spoken with speaking of Paul in grace. He was graced to preach and teach the gospel. He was an apostle, a preacher, and a teacher. And he was given abundant grace to do this. But I say so much for once saved, always saved. So much for irresistible grace that you hear from the lying Calvinistic teachers. Look at 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 1. We then, he's talking to those who are working with him, are workers together with him. And we plead with you, actually the word is, we exhort you not to receive the grace of God in vain. That means it can be done. People say, oh, 
If God's grace is working, you can't resist it. That's a lie from the devil. Of course you can resist it. Everybody who's saved comes under conviction, basically, from the world. And they can receive it or not. And many are called and few are chosen. Most of them don't choose it. And he doesn't override them. He gives them enough grace to open their eyes, to convict them. But they still can say, nope, I want to live. Oh, I knew someone said, well, I just love my sins too much. I said, well, you've made your decision. That person most likely is in hell now because that was 50 years ago, okay? And so we see this, that you can. And most people that go to hell have played with the grace of God at some level. They have received God's grace in vain. It means it doesn't work. It's dead. It's the seed that is sown, and because it doesn't take root, and because they don't pay attention to it, it says the devil takes it away. It was still grace. It was still God's word. But they chose to not let it work in their heart. And the response was the devil takes it from them. See, he blinds them to it. That's his right. You're not going to serve the truth. You're given over to a lying spirit. That's the principle of the kingdom. Okay. And so we see in Romans chapter 2, verse 5. Okay. People need to read this. I read it. Sometime when I think I'm failing or I'm being tempted to, this is a good scripture. But what does he say? Or do you despise the riches of his goodness, forbearance, long-suffering? So he's saying, not knowing you're spiritually ignorant, that the goodness of God leads you to repentance, that his intention of bearing with you and putting up with your sins and your wicked life, and he's given you opportunity to repent. See, this is his goodness. He doesn't strike you dead in your sins and send you to hell. See, But they play with this grace of God. And so we will go further. Let us take a break here.